You know, I've listened to this thing, I can't tell you how many times, over and over again, figuring maybe I'd hear something that shouldn't be there, some sound that shouldn't be there. Then it suddenly I had it backwards. What are you doing now, Maybe there was a sound that should be there. Welcome, everybody, to the Intermillennium Media Project podcast. What we've got today is a different kind of podcast. I think this is something we will come back to periodically as a format, and that is a We Kept Watching episode. We suggested you binge or not binge or let something rest, but we kept looking at it to see if there was more that we could uncover and if there was anything else to talk about. Because some of these shows, Ian is watching these at my suggestion, under duress, a lot of ways you could put this, um, <laughs> against anybody's better judgment, like Lidsville. Yeah. <laughs> Still still recovering from that. But sometimes we'll watch something and we'll watch enough to record uh, a podcast about it. And then we'll go back to it just because it was so much fun. Why not? We will take our own advice and we'll go back to binge it. So when we do that and there's something else we want to comment on, we're going to come back to it. It's a We Kept Watching episode. And we'll assemble t- uh, little brief recaps of a few different um, episodes. Or excuse me. We'll, we will assemble a brief discussions about a few different series that we went back to uh, to watch the rest of or watch more of into these We Kept Watching episodes. If there was more that we saw that changed to what we thought about it, if there was larger themes that came across the entire show that might not have been picked up on in the small ones, this gives us the chance to look at it. This gives us, uh, you know, just just one more thing to talk about. Just one more thing, yeah. Yeah, sorry to bother you, but just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think it's going to surprise, certainly didn't surprise us, I don't think it's going to surprise many people that one of the shows we went back to watch the rest of was Columbo. When we say we watched the rest of, we mean... Every single one. We have now watched every Columbo they made. We had already watched a lot of Columbo before we recorded that first podcast about Columbo. We watched three full seasons of Columbo. Now, granted, there are not a lot of episodes to a Columbo season, but each episode is 90 minutes long. So, or at least 90 minutes long. So we had a whole lot to watch and a whole lot to talk about the first time. But it just keeps going. It does not stop. There are still more people with crazy plans to attempt to cover up murders they planned to or did not plan to commit. And there's a lot of talk about when Columbo peaked, when was its best season, <laughs> what episodes are worth more than, than others for rewatching. But even Columbo, even when it's not good... I will watch a Columbo anytime because they are just so much fun. Peter Falk is just amazing to to watch no matter what he's doing, and he lives in this character. And they assemble such great teams of supporting characters and such uh, supporting actors that it's really is good comfort food television. Yeah, there there is only one episode of Columbo I can think of that I wouldn't want to watch again, and that's just because it's it's the outlier. Yeah. But I knew we were going to do a We Kept Watching, or, or this idea came to us, when, long after we recorded that first episode about Columbo, and it was you who would frequently say, oh, watch an, let's watch another Columbo. Let's put a Columbo on. Yeah. I loved that. And that, that made me happy, because I felt like I'd introduced you something <laughs> from my past that has now become part, part of what you enjoy. Oh, absolutely. This, we suggested the idea of more Columbo, like wanting to see more of it and see it keep going at the end of our episode before. And I actually have changed my final verdict on it because of having watched the rest of it. Oh, really? Yes. I said I wanted this reboot of like a next generation of Columbo, of someone taking up the mantle. But I can now, having watched all of it and see it come into 
a more modern time, see it come past when I was born and into the 2000s even, with like those last few episodes. Yeah, that's an important point. Columbo is, is such a product of the 70s. They were still making Columbo in 2003. It was a long gap after it was no longer on. I think it was NBC to begin with. Yeah. But then ABC picked it up and made a handful of Columbo movies in the late 90s and early aughts. Like something, suddenly you've got suddenly you've got Columbo in a like finding a murder in a, in a techno nightclub, and I'm like, okay, this is a very different environment, but it's still cool. And suddenly the idea of a, of a a reboot works more in my mind. And since then, I've heard the more about the idea of you know Michael Pena taking over the role and doing that from that tweet. Uh, yes, there's a lot of talk about um, Mark Ruffalo playing Columbo, and I think that he would be, be great at it, be, be fine. But Andy and Otko on Twitter made the idea that, well, if you can't get Mark Ruffalo, get Michael Pena, who is in the Ant-Man movies, and, and he's it's just all around amazing, funny, smart character actor. And I'll find the, uh, the exact language of Andy and Otko's tweet, but it was about the fact that he is able to play this genius detective, he would, Michael Pena would be terrific at playing a, the genius detective who is underestimated by the rich wasps because he is short, rumpled, and ethnic. And that, that is brilliant. That is absolutely encapsulates what is so great about Columbo. And Michael Pena would be terrific about that. Mm-hmm. And seeing it still work as they shifted it, where like instead of being surprised about the phone that someone had, Columbo is dealing with someone's computer, and he knows how to run, like, low-level stuff, but he doesn't understand a lot of what the computer he's looking at is, or at least is showing that he doesn't. He might know he might know how to program everything as he needs. I, I can see it working even more, and I love that, and I, I want that series now, just because I don't want to not have more Columbo. So you wouldn't mind a reboot yeah. starring somebody like Michael Pena? I would love the reboot now. I've, I'm changing my final verdict. Okay. And I also learned that the if you want the, the f- most fun slice through all of Columbo, just pull up every episode that is either has or is directing and that sometimes overlaps Patrick McGowan. Yes, that's Any- something we hadn't seen when we recorded the first Columbo episode here. McGowan gets into this show. He becomes he's the villain character in a plenty of episodes, and he directs some of the best and worst episodes simultaneously. And so you could get this interesting little, like, if you don't want to watch all of it, just watch this subset sorted by that. And you could probably get an idea of it overall, but it's not, it's going to be a a fun time. Yeah, that would be an interesting cross-section. He first shows up playing the the commandant of a military academy who, and and he is the the murderer, not much of a spoiler, again, this is Columbo, and... He's a character with, he's a murderer, but he has a we- this weird sense of honor that he is attempting to uphold, which is one of his motivations for the murder. And it is such a powerful character and put together with such a great story that I would recommend that episode with, with Patrick, Patrick Wiggins' first episode in the Military Academy as a great Columbo for anybody. But yeah, after that, he must have enjoyed working with the team on Columbo and, and vice versa, that he came back to play various other murderers on Columbo and to direct several episodes. And he really became part of that show for, for a number of seasons. Now, yeah. one of the Columbo's like the farewell to the Commodore, yeah, last some, salute to the Commodore, last salute to the Commodore. That was just, that I think was the first one that he directed. Yes. But it's like Columbo sits with someone as they do new age yoga on top of a boat, trying to answer questions. and. It is the only episode where I've seen, where I, I saw him, like, I, mean, I saw everybody breaking character, because they're doing, like, this scenic construction site, and no one can hear, and that's part of the story, but also, no one can hear, so direction seems to be going wrong. It was very strange. You're right, there are people who seem to be about to break out laughing. The whole episode, it seemed to me like the entire cast and crew was really, really high. Oh, and yeah. trying hard to keep it together and not necessarily succeeding. I, it was it was an it it was a Columbo in that it kept the Columbo formula, 
unlike some of the others we might talk about. But it was just weird in style and tone and funny but awkward to watch because it was television being made, I don't know, not, I don't want to see not being made well, but not being made seriously. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not contradicting what you said, Ian, about watch all of the episodes that Patrick McGowan was involved in. They're all really good and really worth watching. Just be aware that that one is weird, the one with the Commodore. Oh, yeah, but it gives you that that amount of weird that is in this show. But it's all concentrated into one. Like, you put Columbo through a centrifuge. And for something that is so formulaic and went on for so long, it's kind of fun to encounter those weird episodes every once in a while, especially as we were just watching them in all in order. And then suddenly this thing to show up on the screen. I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? But we couldn't stop watching. It was fascinating. And there's two other episodes towards the end that immediately stick out in my mind. One of which being this, like, hunt for the people who have the pieces to this puzzle episode, which doesn't feel like a standard Columbo, because it's Columbo undercover doing this entire, like, other investigation. It felt like a different show that had a crossover episode, but I want to see that show. Yeah, that was one of the ABC TV TV movies, I think. It was made Mm -hmm. later, and it was... It wasn't... it, It was... Peter Falk playing Columbo, but it wasn't a Columbo. It was interesting. Oh, yeah. And I think it was based on uh, a novel. I don't know if it was Ed McBain or some uh, some well-known crime fiction writer. This was based on a story or a novel by, by him. So it wasn't conceived at the beginning as a Columbo, and that may be part of it. But, yeah, that one was, was, was different. It was a crime fiction treasure hunt kind of thing with various different parties all working at cross purposes. And then there's another one which had there was another two of them. I'm putting them together in my mind. I'm trying to separate them. But there was one in which we there we had a a murderer who was part of the the who was like a coroner. And there was one that we had uh, a a murderer who didn't actually murder it. He had kidnapped a, a girl. And yeah. it was the kidnap hunt. Both of them felt felt more like really early pilots to criminal minds, <laughs> but happened to be in Colombo, and that worked, but it's not quite the same. The one where it was like the medical examiner was the murderer, that was, I think, very much in keeping with Colombo because it harkened back to like the second or third episode where this private investigator was the murderer and was hired to help the police solve the murder, kind of a no big big clock or no way out one of the investigators is the is the guilty party kind of kind of thing and so i think that that was interesting direction but it worked very well and it was very much in colombo the other one where it starts out at the wedding of colombo's nephew who is also a police detective and his bride is kidnapped so and they've got to find the kidnapper who's a psychopath and and uh we've got to find him before he does something even even worse to the the columbo's now niece by marriage that was very very un-columbo and you're right it seemed like it was a pilot for a spinoff mm-hmm. yeah, columbo's nephew on nbc <laughs> so maybe the network was like getting tired of columbo or thought the viewers were getting tired of it and, and maybe they were i have, didn't remember it in context that late but or maybe they just wanted to do things that are different these were departures from the colombo formula mm-hmm. and while they weren't bad crime tv especially that one with the kidnapping it didn't feel like a colombo so we decided to put on a colombo and this comes on and at 90 minutes later we think it was all right but i wanted to watch colombo and i don't feel like oh. i did and there were plenty of instances where we put on a colombo and it was great it was exciting we loved it and we went to go watch another, and it, it just keeps rolling. So those few speed bumps stand out larger in your mind because they are such departures. Right. There, it's, there, there are so many good installments of this show that the, the ones that don't quite hit are, are more memorable. Mm-hmm. And, or, or the spinoffs that just don't hit at all. Yeah, yeah, there is that other spinoff. We got the complete DVD collection, and a few of the discs had a bonus episode of a different tv show called mrs colombo oh no that's that's not oh yeah uh, 
Yeah, no, that's that's not Columbo. No, no, that really isn't Columbo. It was an attempt to apply Columbo ishness to a uh, one hour TV crime. I, I want to say drama, but it wasn't didn't take itself seriously really enough to be drama. We didn't watch many of those. We couldn't. I stand by my tweet. That that's not. The, the, this is this is Captain Catherine Janeway and what she does on the holodeck. Yes, since Ka- Mrs. Columbo is played by Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> yes, and there's just so many things that don't ring true with this. And the first one they that we watched, it should have been great. It had Donald Pleasance, who was one of the best Columbo bad guys in an early Columbo, when oh, playing yeah. the, the winery owner. And I mean, Kate Mulgrew, terrific, but it just. It didn't come together. It was too. It was trying too hard. It was too forced. They, without coming out and saying it, they do make it clear this is supposed to be Lieutenant Columbo's wife because then she mentions that her husband is a police detective, is a police lieutenant on, in homicide, and she is like a writer for the local newspaper, and that's how she Nancy drews her way into various crimes as a, an amateur sleuth, but. We hear Columbo talk about his wife, Mrs. Columbo, so much, and they've been married so many years, according to everything that he says. There's no way Kate Mulgrew is Columbo's wife. Yeah. And even if they'd try to stick with that story, I don't know how they would have made that fit with the episode where uh, someone targets Columbo and they have to fake that his wife got murdered, so he's on a vengeance warpath. As the bait to people to catch, I'm trying to fa- I'm trying to think. Was that after the failure of Mrs. Columbo as a show? Was that the writers of Columbo making a comment that that show is dead to them? <laughs> I don't know, but that's a good good question. That would be an interesting sideways commentary from the creators of the uh, the real Columbo series good. because the whole Mrs. Columbo thing had no uh, no input from the creators of Columbo, including Peter Falk. No support. Or agreement from any of them. It was just the network trying to expand this brand. And it did not fare very well with audiences either. And because of that, in its short run, <laughs> Mrs. Columbo changed so much where they backed farther and farther away, faster and faster, from this really being the wife of Lieutenant Columbo from the Columbo series, to the point where eventually she's divorced, she has a different name. No, I was never married to Columbo. This is not Earth. You know, I mean, they <laughs> everything they possibly could to distance themselves from that bad judgment call at the beginning. I wish they had just made a cool, fun crime series starring Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. And great guest stars like uh, Donald Pleasance and not attempted the whole Mrs. Columbo gimmick. Somehow, like the, the infamous bad game, Big Rigs Over the Road Racing, this is a broken thing that moves faster in reverse than it ever does forward. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't spend too much of our time on Mrs. Columbo, though it was an interesting oddity. But we did keep watching Columbo, and again, it, I'd say that it becomes less consistent in its later seasons. It starts to get a little bit tired, but again, even at its least perfect, it's still a great show. Mm-hmm. There are some who, who have pointed to... I think it was the Columbo file blog was saying that season four is peak Columbo in terms of consistent quality of episodes and writing and performing. I might be able to agree with that. To me, there are some really, really good episodes later on. Oh, yeah. But there was one that had a, an, an Irish writer or poet. Who, oh, had, yeah. It was a plot involving gun running for the IRA. I liked that one a lot. I that thought that was great, great, partly because of the the clues, partly because of the supporting characters. I know there are some people who don't like that as much, but and that was like season seven or so. So I think that maybe if you want absolute number of consistently good episodes, around four might have been the peak, but that doesn't mean there aren't some great episodes later on. I think that, yeah, some of the best ones were always either the murder that was classically possible. This is a a tried-and-true method of killing that Columbo is able to find out by the hubris, or the instance of innovative new technology murder. The person who is in the wall, but we find them from thanks to their pager, 
the people who have a an alibi because of the video camera on a car used to trigger the gun. Uh, there, there, the new technology instances where Columbo has to learn something that wasn't even a skill set he would have run into or thought of before, but is able to do so and catch them because he is that good, or the instances where this is so classic that the person thinks they'll get away with it and they make the mistake Columbo catches because they think they know how to do this are the best ones, in my opinion. You're right. That's one of the interesting things about something that lasted as long as Columbo did. And there was one where the the uh, the the damning clue was a cell phone call, and it turned. I think it was William Shatner in his second turn as a um, a Columbo villain was great. Oh yeah. But he he could not. He 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 claimed to have been in a particular place and calling somebody, and that was his alibi. But then it turned out that he couldn't have been where he was where where he claimed to have been because there was no cell phone coverage in that location. So it was like the dawn of cell phone technology we can we know there are cell phones and they're relevant but we can't yet trace you to a particular cell phone tower as the police so combo has to figure out some other way to figure out that you couldn't have been where you claimed to have been today that the cell phone call would make it easier to pinpoint where you really were oh yeah that that one's an excellent one even uh, the story is amazing and just the little sight of smug Columbo uh facing down Shatner as he pulls a shotgun from the back of a car only to be surrounded by undercover police officers is a yes. tiny clip that out of context is fun just for the what am I looking at why am I pumped up and the fact that uh, William Shatner was essentially playing Rush Limbaugh just makes that even better <laughs> that was great absolutely and yeah, it's that's one of the interesting things about a show, as, as I was saying, that, that lasted this long. In early Columbos, occasionally there would be a computer involved, and it would be often used just for comic effect of Columbo not knowing about this newfangled technology. Like, he goes to some corporation, needs some information about an employee, and the HR people say, oh, we have that information in the computer bank, and behind them are all these spinning uh, computer tape drives and a giant line printer that slowly prints out the employee list that Columbo needs. And yet, and by the end of it, we're dealing with PCs, and it's somebody changing a file name and, a fi- and, and the format of a Word document, pretty much. A word processing document is one of the big clues. The, the final episode of Columbo produced as him calling over a police group to use ground-penetrating radar to reveal the body. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's hidden uh, below the, the, the floor. So, I mean, imagine what that would be in an earlier episode. The, it'd be like the person would walk into his uh, his uh, dance studio to find uh, Columbo there with a pickaxe already breaking up the concrete. But no, here in the middle of the event, he can do the big reveal on giant screens using the ground penetrating. It's a very different reveal, but awesome. Yeah, but... I'm sorry, I'm distracted now, because you mentioned Columbo and ground-penetrating radar, and now I really, really want to reboot because I want Columbo on Oak Island. <laughs> Please give me some mystery that puts Columbo on Oak Island. And he can deal with Mounties, even. It'd be cool. Uh, you, you say you're looking for this, but there's an entire section of your grid you didn't dig. <laughs> but the, the dirt's turned up, so it's almost like you dug it, and then you filled it back in. Now, why would you have done that? You're really looking for this treasure. Wow, the Knights Templar! They're like that's amazing. But you're the Knights. But if there was the Knights Templar, then why would they have filled this back in, and why would it have a nineteen eighty seven Toonie coin in it? Like, <laughs> oh wait, what? Uh, but I, I, I want to see that. I want to see Columbo on Oak Island. Oh, that'd be amazing. So I think it's safe to say that um, we really, really enjoyed watching the rest of Columbo. And, you know, we've, we've got this giant doorstop of a boxed set of DVDs that goes all the way from the preliminary pilot of Columbo, before he was really the character we, uh, we know and love today, all the way through the very last Columbo made on a- ABC. 2002, the Techno I Club. Yeah. It was 2002 or 2003. But very, we, we wind up getting so many DVDs that we'll watch something, and once we've watched it, it will be 
duly recorded in our delicious library database and then put in our in our archives in the basement. I don't think Columbo is going to the archives in the basement. I think Columbo is going to stay right here because I think before long we're going to say to ourselves, yeah, let's watch a Columbo. Let's start from the beginning again, or let's pull our favorite episode from the middle, or let's, as you suggested, watch the uh, the, the Patrick McGowan Columbo Film Festival. Yeah, especially if you can get, if we can get a list of everyone who appeared multiple times, watching their episodes in sequence could be fun. Here's every time Shatner showed up. Here's every time McGowan showed up. That would. Oh, and we've got to mention, if we're going to say that, Bruce, um, Bruce Kirby. Oh, yes. As Detective Sergeant Kramer. Though that's one thing that drives me crazy about one of the later ones, one of the ones made on a- ABC. Mm-hmm. Bruce Kirby shows up again as a detective sergeant working with Columbo, but they give him a different name. Why? Apart from Lieutenant Columbo and the dog, Detective Sergeant Kramer is the char- most frequently recurring character in all of Columbo. And then they bring him back years later, and they don't let him play the same character. Why? You guys not... I mean, is this, is that, this a Marvel slight parallel story? Or? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's Columbo Earth 618 or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there was a lot of problems with that episode, though, because previously there was a few wonderful little scenes where we see Columbo, this early in the series, we see Columbo fluent in Italian. He's talking with this you know, wine expert in Italian. They're having a great time. In this other episode later on on ABC, he claims not to know Italian. Maybe he was putting somebody on and not wanting to seem as well uh, educated as he was, but it had, was, had been clearly established he is fluent in Italian. He says he wasn't. That's the same episode in which they have Kirby show up, but not playing Detective Sergeant Kramer. So I think maybe that was just written by people who didn't know Columbo. Yeah, that might be the case. But either way, even that one, and even the one with the kidnapping, and it's not really a, a Columbo, they're worth watching. They're absolutely worth watching. And that's why we kept watching, and that's why there are other shows that we will keep watching, just because they're fun enough to um, to see through the end. If we tell you that we're that you know something's binge-worthy, we're not just giving it a rating and ending. We're making a comment about what we're planning on doing, what we might do. Because it's worth it. Oh, yes, there is one more thing. And one other thing about Columbo, about the series, that we saw more of as we kept watching it and watched it through, the, through to the end. And this is something that Mrs. Darling Wife, uh, your mom, pointed out. A, another recurring guest star in the series is Shira Denise, hmm? Peter Falk's wife. Oh, yeah. She shows up several times in the series as different characters. She's usually a prominent supporting character. She's not always a good guy, so to speak, but she's never played the murderer. That's important. We can't have... we. Do, Peter Falk would never be arresting his wife no. in that sense, and that's good. And I, I, I think that that's important. She's never the villain in these. Sometimes, sometimes she's a scheming person who's out for herself, but she never plays the murderer. And, uh, and I can only imagine that it was a lot of fun for them to work together. The, to read his biography, they were, were, were so much in love, and she, he thought that she was the greatest thing in the world. So it's kind of fun to see that she was, uh, was in the series several times. There, that there's so much more of that show that is a family of actors in some senses, right? And yeah. even if people are in for just an episode, they were part of this group, and they got it. There seemed to be a love on the set all the time. Yeah, there's. Uh, I've never read anything about anybody being in that show and not enjoying it and thinking it was a bad experience. And of course, some of them loved it so much they keep coming back uh, to 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 as actors, as directors, as writers. I don't know about writers. But yeah, they, it, it's one of those shows that was on long enough and made by people who were so good at what they did that it, it built this kind of community or family around it. Oh, uh, one other thing. In regard to your practice of recording people's comments after the screening, what is that, like a question and answer period? I mean, the people in the audience, they raise their hands and they ask questions. And one of the early TV shows that I introduced you to for the podcast was The Avengers. Now, we already made the joke about it not being those Avengers, but the real Avengers, the original Avengers, the, 
the British super spy Avengers. I still want that hat. <laughs> With the, uh, the, the steel brim? It's not that hat if it doesn't have the steel brim you can knock a guy out with. Good point. And I, I, I have a, I have the outfits to pull that off if I had that hat. I could make this work. You absolutely could. I could see it. I could see that working for you. That would be a good look. Thank you. But yeah, we kept, there was, there was some more episodes of the Avengers we looked at, mostly later on. Right, and the Avengers is one of those series that changed quite a bit from season to season, and that's one of the reasons why you were interested in seeing what came later, because the latest episodes that we watched before our original recording about the Avengers were from the the Diana Rigg seasons, which I do think are probably the most well-known, but it was, uh, we watched some of the earlier ones, and then we watched a few that Diana Rigg what we're in playing uh, uh, Mrs. Peel. Mm-hmm. And th- we, there was the earliest ones without her. Then there was the Diana Rigg was Mrs. Peel. And that was both in the original and the Avengers in color. That's right, yeah. And we watched the last episode with her in it. Right, the, that the one, departure of Mrs. Peel. Because Diana Rigg was going off to be in a James Bond movie. That one, I mean, this is a show that was extremely weird. We talked about how much we wanted it to... We we liked this like weird world it gave, but that one got even stranger. It did. The whole series, it mainly was going from weird to weirder, <laughs> episode to episode, season to season, and we were well into it. It was several years in by now, so yeah. By the time uh, Diana Rigg was was leaving, it was particularly weird, mostly with what happens at the very end of that episode. Because they go through another entire plot. I think, was that the one that involved the uh, the mind-erasing serum? Right. There's an amnesia drug. Yeah. This is some, like, uh, uh, poison. I think it was being delivered by blow darts or something, or, or a dart gun, that created this profound amnesia. And I think they found a an agent from whatever organization Steed and, and Peel worked for, having forgotten everything, didn't know who they were, didn't know who, he, know who he was, what his job was, anything. And that kicked off this investigation. And it, like, everyone kind of gets their memories erased, and it felt almost a, we're going to have to rebuild everyone for a moment so that you can have this last memory of them all, as we have to, like, piece all of their bits of who they are together again one last time. There was something very end of series clip show in some ways about that aspect. I guess so. And they, they it of course gave them opportunities to have fun with the whole long running ambiguity of Steed and Peel's relationship as one and the and the then the other of them lose their memory and are what are we to one another? And they have a lot of fun with that. Because that was that was big through that that entire run of the series. Are they Lovers? Are they just friends? Do they just like teasing each other? What's going on here? The entire series summed up as, will they, won't they, what the? <laughs> and at the same time, even though they were, it was like you described it as a clip show, which I, you're not wrong in that they were revisiting lots of old material in a character sense, not literally showing old clips. But also they were introducing new things to this world of the Avengers and whatever organization it is they work for. We finally meet Steel's boss. Steel. We finally meet Steed's boss, Mother, who's like the head of this counterintelligence group that uh, that Steed and Peel work for, and he's this weird, broadly comedic British secret agent boss kind of character. I don't know how else to describe him, but he's he's at the same time a bureaucrat and the leader of Men of Action. And he's in, like, a wheelchair and moving around with the wheelchair and, like, pegs from the ceiling he's monkey-barring on. Yeah, they again, they, they, they don't explain this, which is great. But, yeah, he's, he's in a wheelchair, and he's got these rings suspended from the ceiling in his office so he can get up out of the wheelchair and use these to navigate over to the bar and get a drink, which, of course, he does. Of course, you've got to offer but, a drink. And, yeah, and, and, and that's not the last time we see Mother. We see him... Uh, more and more in that uh, the remaining seasons of the uh, the show, and he's kind of a cool character. I like giving Steed some kind of accountability and some authority figure to play against. And 
it both gives some structure to what Steed has to do as a secret agent and, and the fact that he really is assigned missions and things, and at the same time gives him somebody to rebel against other than the bad guys he's always fighting. Yeah, it really works well. That The very final scene, though, has Mrs. Peel driving off with her presumed dead, now proven to be actually alive a husband. Right, and that does resolve one of those questions. You know, what, she's Mrs. Peel, but there's no sign of a husband. I don't. I think they established that she was a widow earlier on. But yeah, that's apparently her husband was was lost in some wilderness for years and years, and uh, and now he's back, and he looks just like Steed. Right, we only see him from a distance, but he's getting into a classic British car, and he's wearing the bowler hat, and he's got the umbrella and the. The Seville Rose suit, and and he is, uh, and actually, not that Steed actually wore Seville Rose suits. That was a matter of some controversy. But yeah, he's he is a. Uh, he looks so much like Steed that it's like even Steed's wondering, well, that's weird. And part of my mind is saying, oh, that was just a little bit of a jab at the people who kept wondering. And there's part of me saying, this world is weird enough. Are they just introducing a clone plot? Is this a clone saga plot? Is this what we're going down? I can get behind it. Just let me know. That would have been so in keeping with this whole series. Oh, yeah. We've been so, so in line with it. But that would have been totally in keeping with the series if that had been the the beginning of the episode. Because there's, with a few exceptions, there's not enough continuity between episodes for it to make sense to introduce at the end that at the end of one and expect it to be the story at the beginning of the next. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. It, it was that kind of, is this just another sci-fi thing they're playing with or, or what? But no, it was just more of a character thing they were playing with. And then there's the final season, which we watched like the first and the last episodes of. Right. Well, that, that final season, that, excuse me, that final episode for Mrs. Peel was also the first episode for Steed's new partner, Tara King. She's got a very different dynamic with him. She does. She is has a little less patience with him. She's a little sharper with him. And I think he finds her more of a challenge. I think he finds her a little less interesting than Mrs. Peel, but more of a challenge. And therefore, she is interesting. There's something a little bit more teacher and apprentice at times. Okay, yeah. She's, espe- she is espe- supposed to be a more junior agent. Especially with the, the setup of the of him being this well-known figure in the training facility that people are always referencing and so there's always this little bit of a i expected you to be better but i'm trying to learn from you when you're good and i feel really good about myself when i get one when i get something before you do that she's got to this entire dynamic and he is trying to like teach her and deal with the fact that she doesn't know some of the things, but also keep up with her when she's going faster than he is. It's a bit of a different dynamic in that sense. Right, which is good. It, it would be a mistake to try to replace each partner with somebody who's too much like the previous. And you, you're right in that. I hadn't thought about this in the context of the kind of expanded world of their organization that we see in that season, where we're seeing his boss, we're seeing the training facility, we're hearing from other people what kind of reputation Steed has. Um, her relationship with him is really a part of that. She's now a part of this organization, and she is part of the perspective that it has on uh, John Steed. She's, I think, maybe a little more of an audience surrogate than any of his previous partners were, and also a representative of this organization. Yeah. I don't remember the first episode that they tackle as a pair as well. It wasn't as... They, that, uh, other than that first one where we have... He's, they introduce her, but she's not yet his really his partner. Yeah, the first time that she's assigned as his partner. That episode, it had a lot of building of the new things they've added to the world, but the actual like lot they were dealing with was a little... It was fairly straightforward. Very I mean, straightforward. Yeah. More interesting was, especially because you can see the contrast, was the end of that season, which is also the end of the the series. The final episode. And this is where, uh, and we, we watched this and it shows just how weird this series got over time. The episode title is simply 
bizarre. <laughs> just one word title. As if they're, I don't know if they're just kind of giving up at that point or what, because that could apply to any episode of the Avengers. Oh, absolutely. And they finally get, oh, let's call it bizarre. It's bizarre. Fine. But the story on that one was, it starts off with the discovery of a body, of the newly dead body of somebody who was dead and buried a year ago. Huh? How did that happen? Zombies? What? No? Okay. So they start investigating, and it's just, this isn't the only instance of this. And they track him. I think he was involved in banking, and they track him through his job and such. And what they eventually uncover is this criminal operation, a spoiler alert for a decades-old TV show, a criminal operation which was helping people fake their own deaths. And then when the person was buried, they'd be removed underground from their own coffin and kept in luxury in this underground resort for a year while things cool off. And then they could go off and live with whatever money they stole or whatever in uh, uh, under an assumed name somewhere. Yeah, it's like trapdoors under coffins and renting out space in a specific lot of burial land it's like what in the world and one of the great running gags through this entire episode was the funeral director <laughs> who or the, the 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 guy who ran this uh, this uh, cemetery actually they have had to keep coming to him with court orders to exhume a body and he's very upset about this and then they open up the grave and there is no body in the coffin and he's freaking out about this and then they have to do it again the same thing again the same thing all of these bodies all these coffins that were buried with bodies in them a they have to disrupt the the cemetery by digging them up and b there's no body in them when they dig them up and he's just going crazy the the ending bit though when they infiltrate this big underground facility with all of these people hiding out and all of these these bad guys and they have this fist fight in a very crowded little room. Yeah, they depict this luxury resort kind of place where they're letting people stay for a year using these couple of small claustrophobic rooms. I don't know exactly how much luxury this was, or if this is just BBC didn't have much budget, or ITV rather, didn't have much budget. But um, yeah, there's but yeah, it's weird. It was kind of cramped for what they were portraying it as being. It was definitely cramped for a fight scene. But they still have their fight scene in there, and it, it then they arrest everybody and march them back up out the trapdoor of the grave. So oh, yeah. there's this like this <laughs> line of people handcuffed to each other, one after another, coming out of this grave. So it's like graveside as clown car, where you just see all these people in this line of handcuffs. Right? That We've, was great. Yeah. Open it. There's no one in here. Open it. There's no one in here. Open it. There's no one in here. And then finally, there's all of the people in this one. <laughs> and one of the it was one of these scenes where this cemetery director is finally recovering from the last thing he saw, and then he sees this. So it's. It got, the, the series got weirder. It also got more and more towards this broad comedy. It's subtle, whatever subtlety it had diminished over the years. It was still fun, but in a very different way. And I'm comparing this final episode to the first episode, that one we watched with Mr. Teddy Bear, which was this really comparatively tightly constructed spy thriller which happens to have one weird aspect to it the fact that this guy communicated through dolls and teddy bears and and used that to keep his identity a secret apart from that it could have been really any spy thriller and it had that kind of dark tone to it by the end of the series it was just weirdness all the way on top of weirdness at some point in like a tabletop game, you start out with everyone at like level one and this intensely plotted story that everyone wants to work through. And by the end of it, your characters are all so overpowered that there's nothing th that your game master throws at you that you're not tackling in some way. And you're coming together just as much to hang out with this group of friends as you are to 
work through this intriguing story. There's something very much along that same sort of progression with the way this show just gets more out there and gets looser in as it goes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there is a point at which you're you're watching the Avengers so that you can see Steed and either King or Peel or uh, the others in the show. You're you're showing up to watch them joke and flirt and and all this stuff. You're not watching it for the tightly constructed spy drama anymore. Yeah, it changes what type of show it is. And the very last scenes we get where Steed has built a rocket ship in his backyard out of, like, a kit car set. Right. This little coda has nothing to do with the rest of the um, the story at all. It's just this little tag at the end of this final episode of the series. Yeah, he's built a space rocket in his, in his back garden. And it gets launched, and they don't, and they hit, he hadn't gotten landing kit, landing gear kit yet. So he's just kind of, they're, like, let's, yeah, Peel is gone. Steed is in space with King. Mother is on the ground in his backyard going, what's going on here? Now, now, This is kind of where we leave our characters for the final bits of the show. And John Steed and Tara King are are heading into space with champagne, of course. And Mother is on the ground realizing they're not chaperoned up there. (laughs) That's what he's worried about. Never mind the fact that we've just launched a... uh, uh, a missile from southern England, and it's it's heading into orbit, and it's got our best agents on board. But they're not chaperoned. That's just not right. I mean, there's plenty of shows that you know that they've gone awry when they suddenly beat when they suddenly change to in space. But <laughs> I've never seen a show just kind of do that to itself as its final denouement. Like, oh, nope, I'm gone now. Space time. Well. Not that this was show was ever that concerned about continuity, and that's a good thing, because as we talked about when we, we first discussed the Avengers, uh, Steed does come back. They did create the new Avengers, and he was a character in that later on in the 1970s. So somehow he uh, he gets back from, from orbit. I don't know about King, if she ever appears in the new Avengers, if she makes it out of orbit, who knows? If she doesn't show up in the new Avengers, that's awkward. Yeah, that's kind of... Kind of odd. Hey. Insert reference to the science fiction classic, The Cold Equations, here. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, we, we did kept, keep watching The Avengers. It were, was worth watching more of, but if you watch more of it after enjoying some of the early ones, be warned that it changes. It is not the same series season to season. Steed is, for the most part, the same character, but he even even he gets broader in his comedy and gets a little more caricature-ish. I said originally how much I liked the the world style this had, and I wanted to see more of that. But this, the the way the show progressed, definitely shows me that I wanted to see it carefully fed into something. There's a difference between a little bit of vanilla extract in something to make sure it tastes nice and just something that is too vanilla. It is unpleasant now. This is too much vanilla. Slow down. There, This is too much flavor extract. It needs something to be mixed in with. Yeah, I have a tendency. I'm not, I don't know that it's a good tendency, but I have a tendency where if I think something is good, I want it to be taken seriously, and I want it to take itself seriously. And with the Avengers, I have to let that go because it's not going to take itself seriously, and that's part of what makes it worth watching. So, yeah, I, um, I'm glad that we kept watching the Avengers. If you uh, if you'd enjoyed it, then uh, I would say go ahead and keep watching. Yeah, go ahead and keep watching. Just be prepared. I say. Splendid achievement, Steve. Splendid. Oh, thank you very much. It's hard to believe you assembled it yourself. Uh, the instruction booklet is very explicit. It's kind of nice to get to, back, to come back and look at some of these shows because there's definitely things for which once you've watched a few episodes, we can get a picture of the show. But what it actually became later in the series and what that picture is when we zoom out even further and take a look at a a larger sample size can kind of change. My original thoughts about Columbo were... were I I don't think they were off the mark, 
But now that I've seen the entire series, I have an even clearer picture of what they can do with the show. And the fact that the show is not too rigid in terms of its formula while still st- feeling like a Columbo anytime it follows it. Right. And, and, not, and seeming somehow wrong on the few occasions where it really doesn't. Yeah. And we mentioned some of those. And it's interesting to see how a TV series, as it goes on, is kind of a living thing in that it is going to change. If it doesn't, it just gets boring. Sometimes they will change just because of a a casting change, like we see in The Avengers. Sometimes it'll be a really dramatic, we want to revamp things in the second season, and I think we're going to talk about some series in which that happened in the future. But Columbo is an example of how just by having interesting artists working on it for so many years, it's naturally going to change because they're always interested in doing something different, even if it's something different within the formula that they do so well. Yeah, and in that sense, the IWMP cast is not a static thing. Our decisions, our opinions, our thoughts at the end are our opinions and thoughts at the end of what we had watched. But we'll go back and we'll watch more. and. That means our opinions and things might evolve and change with it, just like the shows we're talking about. It's not static. It is evolving. It is changing. It is active. In some ways, we can revive and reboot ourselves each time a little with every new show we watch. So you're saying that there's a genuine value in going back and watching additional episodes of a TV series for which you've only seen a portion. Yes. So you really are interested in all those other episodes of Lidsville we never got to. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we might not go back to Lidsville, but I'm sure we'll have some more of these We Kept Watching episodes in the future. Yeah, every once in a while we can pop in on a couple of our favorites, and I like that idea. Great. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. We certainly did. And we'll be back in a few weeks with some more uh, tales of media from uh, way back in the 20th century. In the meantime, Ian, where can people find you? I can be found at itemcrafting.com or as itemcrafting on most social media platforms like Twitter and YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at ByMatthewPorter or you can find me online at MatthewFPorter.com, two T's in Matthew. And you can find the, the website on Twitter at IMMPCast or you can find us online uh, at uh, immproject.com and you'll find our old episodes there you'll find uh, some stuff you can buy if you like you'll find uh, a contact page where you can uh, give us your ideas about shows we might want to watch things I might want to inflict on Ian or things he might want to inflict on me if he's uh, going to have a turnabout and we can tar- we can add to that list shows you'd love us to go back and watch a couple more episodes of and see if that changes our thoughts that's a good point. Yeah, something where you think uh, that, that Ian just hasn't seen quite enough to get it. Uh, I can always subject him to more. Or Matthew has seen not quite enough to realize that this doesn't hold up. <laughs> but either way. Well, thanks again, as always. And in the meantime, go find something new to watch. <laughs>